Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we discuss the two greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, but other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. At the top of each episode, we hope for the best. No failure tonight. Let's we'll- try. I'm Joe Hillier, and I'm here with... Dave Gurney. And joining us again for his second outing, you heard him the first time when we did Asteroid City. For it's sure. Roland Alanis. Thank you, Roland, for being here. Hello, and Mars Attacks. Mars That's Attacks. Right. Yeah. Now, Roland, the first time you were here, the second time you when you were here, the, when you do local comedy, you're always wearing a red baseball cap. Yes. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? I mean, you guys can read it. It says sports. It's a... Uh... And, you know, the joke is that people think it's a Trump hat, uh, but actually it's a it's a tribute to my favorite comedian, Norm MacDonald. He, uh, oh, that's right. He had the sports show, right? He had a sports yeah. show on Comedy Central. And he, and but like, he was an actual sports guy, right? He yeah, liked, he actually talked about sports. he bet a lot on sports. He yes, lost he a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> he gambled a lot, as I understand yeah. it. Well, yeah. I was in Houston and I picked up this beer. It is called Sports with a Z on the end. (laughs) And knowing that you'd be joining us, that's what we're going to be drinking. Uh, It's by Turning Point. And Turning Point, David, joins the Five Timers Club today. So congratulations, uh, Turning Point. All your hard work is finally paying off. Yeah. Um, but love I, it. Love so it, this love is it. a uh, it's a ghost series that they're doing, and like Gatorade, it comes in. It's got electrolytes in it. It's an electrolyte infused beer. And oh my god! Look at this pour. Yeah. Wow. It is. How do you describe that color? It, it blue? looks like a blue Gatorade almost. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's oh my. completely translucent, but blue. They have to have this is the glacial frost. <laughs> <laughs> they have a fruit punch, which is red, and they have a lemon lime, which I can't, I couldn't find the color online, but I'm imagining it's the close That's to awesome. that that yellow Gatorade, the classic Gatorade. Wow! So, uh, blue raspberry electrolyte infused. They call it a sports beer. So, yeah, I thought this would be perfect since Roland was joining us today, and he's so into sports. Oh yeah. <laughs> so let me ask Roland though, as we're pouring these in our glasses. I mean, I was shocked by the color here, so that 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 took my breath away for a moment, but. I did want to hear because I know Roland. You also do your own podcast, or I should say, with your Mary, Thank right? You, your yeah. partner yeah. Mary, and you call it sports. Did the hat come before the podcast, or did the podcast come before the hat? Oh yeah, no. The uh, I, I've been doing this, just wearing this for like ever, and we started a pod, and they were like, "We have no idea what to call this, what to call this pod." And they just sent me one day. I was like. Well, obviously, it's got to be called sports, and then we never talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I assume you probably get some hate mail from time to time. But, you know, like you guys never even mentioned sports on that episode I listened to. Yeah, some people will be upset, and then they're. But what we get more often is uh, people will be like, "Hey, I like I want to listen to your show, but like I don't know anything about sports." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. the bar is low on this one. You don't, <laughs> David. And do you... then I just laugh and walk away. Do you? Do you? Follow. I mean, I, I think I know the answer. Do you don't do you follow any sports? I'm not a sports guy. At not all. not really. I mean, like I've, I, when I was younger, I was surrounded by sports fans. So like, if if you ask me stuff occasionally, randomly about like late '80s, early '90s basketball or baseball, I'll kind of remember names and maybe even specific elements yeah. of games or something. But since then, the only time I've really like dabbled in sports fandom was when I was living in Chicago and we were very close to Wrigley Field. Okay. And so the Cubs were like this big presence and it was something that we could actually go to games and 
it didn't cost that much because we could just wait until the second inning and buy whatever tickets were left on the street at that point. So it was kind of a fun little pastime. Because I don't even want to pretend yeah. like I love soccer or as I call it, <laughs> football. Football. But my son does. So him being home for the summer, I've watched more soccer matches, football matches. We than had the concentrated. Women's World Cup was. Uh, we didn't do that. We don't. We didn't follow that so much. But now, like the Premier League, okay. the big league that um, Ted Lasso and them yeah. playing, you know, in the fictionalized thing, just started. So anyway, anyway, yeah. All right, so we can continue this conversation in After Hours. Patreon.com slash Beer and a Movie Podcast. It's an extra bonus episode. We'd love for you to go there, try it out. We got this beer in our glass. It has nothing to do with the movie we're about to discuss outside of our special guest today. And and what did we bring our special guest on to talk about? Well, lo and behold, folks, we have a really new 2023 release. In fact, if you're listening to this episode when it drops – this film will not even be available to you yet in theaters. It will be the following day. Uh, and that is the movie Strays, yeah. um, which I've been seeing the trailer for. Too it much. It feels like all summer long. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there, there was a little bit of a part of me that was worried going into it that, okay, is this one of those cases of a comedy that I've already seen all the best gags and jokes? But we'll, we'll put that aside right now. Let mm-hmm. me give you the summary. If you didn't see the trailer already, Basically, Strays is depicting the journey of a small border terrier who's named Reggie, and that's voiced by Will Ferrell. He's trying to make his way back to Doug, who is played by Will Forte, his human owner, whom Reggie idealizes, despite Doug's blatant hostility and, you know, behavior that would indicate everything other than love towards Reggie. Reggie is a sort of, I guess, what, what would we call him, kind of like... Would we say gullible yeah. or, or just, yeah, like he, yeah. he, he sees the, the positive side of everything. Um, and, uh, when he's dropped by Doug in a city that's a three hour drive away from where Doug lives, um, with Doug hoping that he'll never return. Of course, Reggie teams up with some other dogs who he meets, other strays, and then some who have homes, but seem to like live the stray lifestyle on the sure. side. Um, those include Bug. That's who's, how I identify. <laughs> the Bug, who is a Boston Terrier voiced by Jamie Foxx. Uh, Maggie, an Australian Shepherd, who's voiced by Isla Fisher. And a Great Dane named Hunter, voiced by Randall Park. And this crew of dogs uh, help him to embrace the reality of his owner's nastiness and put him on a path to a very different sort of homecoming than what he had, had initially planned when he was dropped off. Is that a good summary? I think so. Okay. And right. again, I saw that trailer again a dozen times. Yeah. It feels like. Right. And the first time I saw it, it's Will Ferrell, who I like, Jamie Foxx, who I like. Yeah. And, and, and it's going, it's R-rated trailer, a, a red band trailer. So they let the whole audience know, and through the marketing and the poster, rated R, very big, very red. Yeah. That this is going to be one of those... Uh, potentially envelope pushing as far as language, as far as sexuality, they're humping everything. You know, that was a joke in the trailer. Then seeing the same trailer over and over, my expectations began to drop every single time I saw the trailer, or maybe I was just tired of the trailer. And then I saw another trailer on TV, which was not red band, which showed the Dennis Quaid scene. Oh, I see. Now I had not seen the Dennis Quaid bit until it popped up in the film. So it was more of a, hidden yeah i really enjoyed that little non sequitur so the the makers of cocaine bear and r-rated envelope pushing material i I had mid expectations Mm -hmm. and i think the film met them okay 
it was a fun night at the movies. Yeah, and also I was just saying, uh, I had no idea that it was a Phil Lord and Chris Miller produced thing. Which did fill us in on, on who those guys have been, what those guys have been associated with. Oh, um, the Jump Street, the Jump, Jump right. Street movies and uh, the recent Spider-Verse movies. That's right. The go. Lego movie. Yeah, the Lego yeah. movie. Yeah. So they've had huge success over the last decade. Yeah, their yeah. comedies are pretty good. Yeah. I sort of, it sort of made sense afterwards. I was like, oh, okay, well, I did like the jokes. And then I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense because I like Phil Lord and Chris Miller jokes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the the whole movie isn't like solid, like 22 Jump Street for me. But the jokes in the movie are good. Yeah, I mean, it's as with most comedies, right? Like the success or failure of this film has to hinge on how well does the humor hit, right? And and is it delivering enough laughs to you? And and as you were saying, Joe, and, and as I said before, like seeing the trailer to comedies like this can sometimes be kind of self-defeating because you laugh at the jokes in the trailer and they don't feel as punchy right. in the film itself. For sure, it gets old. So, you know, the question becomes like, is there enough other jokes? Are there other jokes or do they get fleshed out in ways that sort of make it a fully satisfying experience when you're seeing a feature film version of that trailer. Yeah. I felt fairly satisfied by the experience of seeing this in the theater. I don't, you know, I'm, I don't want to put this, um, We've watched a couple other raunchy comedies this summer, right? Mm-hmm. We, we watched uh, Joyride, Joyride, and the Jennifer Lawrence, uh, uh, which yeah. is Escape. No, is it No Hard Feelings? Wait, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It. Okay, um, it's a great sign. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they were both very funny. They both delivered on the laughs, and I think both went beyond what their trailers alone had shown me about them enough so that I I mm-hmm. enjoyed them. And I would maybe put Strays just slightly below those films in, in, in a sense. Um, because I, I do think a lot of the humor in this film hinges on the gimmick of these being, you, you know, we haven't really mentioned the way that this is done. This is a live action film where you have actual dogs that have been uh, trained and yeah. choreographed and it to like move into the spaces they want them to, sometimes with human actors, Will Forte, and yeah. uh, as you mo- mentioned, Dennis Quaid, although he doesn't interact with the animals, no. he only sees them from afar. Um, Easy to shoot that one. <laughs> it's just, Dennis, can you come to this? Yeah. They um, had a hard time training Dennis, Dennis Quaid to make his standing mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he hasn't uh, actually st- stood on his hind feet in many years. We'll give a, you a slice of cheese if you stand right there. <laughs> but superimposed over these actual dogs are sort of like moving mouths. In, yeah, very uh, much like humans a, aren't looking. Yeah. yeah, very much like in a style of babe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which... Uh, you know, yeah, I hadn't even thought about the babe connection here. Um, but so, I'm so always you, thinking about babes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have this sort of gimmick that's ongoing that in the trailer is part of the humor for sure. And it's like, how does that sustain? I think that dies down as the film goes on. Maybe in a good way, though, because I actually came to care about Reggie sure. a, a little bit more than I really thought I was going to. I mean, right off the bat, Farrell as the voice actor, I like Will Farrell. Mm-hmm. His voice, even separate from his body, I think his voice is a much more endearing part of him because he's kind of this big guy and like you, you don't like the man baby thing when he's in his physical form in a film like Step Brothers or whatever is sort of funny in its, in its own way. But divorced from the body and put onto a small terrier, it actually kind of fits really nicely and it's... It's not so much a comic contrast what the voice is. It's really kind of this 
it it uh, it gives him some soul today. Like it, it, from my perspective, like I was surprised at how much I cared about Reggie as the film went on. His voice really sells like the gullible and like the innocence. Yeah, I, I really uh, I bought into it. For yeah, sure. yeah. And Jamie Foxx as the sort of <laughs> counterpoint and yeah. the one that he's playing off of with the bug with Bug, who's also a small dog, but a much more brash and sort of mm-hmm. um, matter of fact voice than what you have from Farrell as Reggie, I thought was a nice, like they actually, it was kind of like a nice little buddy team comedy thing that was going on throughout the film where Fox was constantly kind of the reality anchor who was there to like remind Reggie of what his situation truly was. Like Doug does not want you. (laughs) (laughs) Doug is trying to get rid of you, buddy. You got to get out of here. Yeah. To sustain, you need set pieces and like big laughs. Yeah. And every once in a while, they were delivered. There's a scene that I did kind of fall out of my chair a little bit, roll around a little bit, um, <laughs> where you didn't you didn't happen to crush Roland. In no, no, no. <laughs> okay, all right. no. One of the I had to make sure he was good. <laughs> one of the dogs in the pack is a big, a Great Dane with a cone on his neck. Yes. And the joke is that the 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 female dog, the the lassie, what is yes. that? Um, border, border? Uh, she's the Australian Shepherd. There you go. Uh, is attracted to him. They have, they share an attraction that they don't speak about. And one of the things she's attracted to is his big penis. And which is, is a recurring, yeah, they, recurring. They, they thing. mention it throughout the film. Right, right, nothing right. like in real life. And there is a, <laughs> there is a, a close up shot of it from her point of view, and then it cuts to her, and she's ooh, you know, steamed up a little bit. Yeah, but there's there's keys. They're in a cage, <laughs> yeah. and there's keys on an opposite wall, and he says, this is where I can use this to affect... Well, they're like, we need a long stick. Right. This is where I... Yeah. Yeah, and so... <laughs> there's a lot of Red Rocket in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Even more so than in the movie Red Rocket. <laughs> it's, it's true. We did uh, do that one here on the show. Yeah, yeah. Liked it. So there's a long scene of him and stretching with, with, with her sexy talking to yeah, try to encourage his to get it even larger yeah. and then it cuts to the actual size and it's nowhere near <laughs> right the yeah, thing. yeah 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 I, I like I like that I mean yes. I like raunchy humor done well and that was a funny a funny joke and the idea of uh, humanizing animals yeah is usually funny when it's done well and they do that I think to great effect here. Uh, the, the, there's four different attitudes, four different dogs. There's four different attitudes. We work together as a team because our attitudes all complement one another. And, you know, I'm trying to remember though, laugh, laugh, laugh out loud stuff. The mushroom thing was funnier than I thought it was going to be. I thought I'd seen all the They did a really nice job. In yeah. The trailer. Th- that was definitely they one eat, that expanded. They eat mushrooms. Yeah. Right. Like, cause in the trailer, you get to see that like there's moments where they kind of see each other as cartoons or, yeah. or sock puppets. Right. And that's funny enough, but that's, only kind of the beginning that segues into that mm-hmm. and then it becomes oh i've got another laugh out loud more about reggie and what all of these different elements of his life coming together in this kind of psychedelic trip that he's on would do and how they would interact and how you know he's imagining doug and all that stuff and i thought that was really there's good, a lot of good jokes funny. about expectations versus reality yeah and there's a lot of like different cuts to what they thought was going on and it turns out like it's actually nothing like the dogs like reacting to fireworks yes oh right that yeah. was great I, yeah. well and the, the devil in the sky yeah yes 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 which pays off and it ultimately you know again there's a lot of uh build up and payoff way more than i i thought there would be yeah in this movie everything that's brought up is kind of brought back 
the, a lot of Chekhov's guns, penis, something. <laughs> when Doug gets rid of Reggie this last time, because it's established in the trailer and in the film that this is a quote unquote game they play. He takes me off, throws the ball, gets right. in the truck, and I have to find my way Fetch home. Fetch and fuck, right? Fetch. It, yeah. When I get home, he says, fuck. Yeah. So now this time he's taking him hours and hours and hours away. So it's going to be impossible. And when Reggie learns that Doug doesn't love him, He's, he vows, I'm going to bite his dick off. So the four of them go off onto that. And you would think, now I guess you wouldn't think for an R-rated movie that they're trying to do here, that, that it's along the way he's learned that this level of revenge is not required. But indeed, that is the, the well, I guess probably the, laugh, the loudest I laughed was they bust through the door. After he's, so he, you know, Reggie does ultimately get back to Doug's. And he's in that place that you're talking about. Joe, and he does not realize that the three other dogs in the pack are are tracking him. Tracking as well. He him thinks he's split off, and right. he's right. But he's willing to give Doug the benefit of the doubt, and and thinks he's going to, you know, sort of at least have this last. And then Doug just, you know, threatens to hit him with a baseball bat. Yes, right. Beat him to death with a baseball bat. And that's when we have <laughs> the brigade break in. So the Great Dane, they get Doug on the floor. The Great Dane pins him, show his shoulders down. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, again, Shepherd. Yeah. The Australian Shepherd. Grabs yeah. one pant leg mm-hmm. and moves one leg to the left. And yeah. then Bug, Bug grabs the other grabs one. The other, yeah. leg, his it's legs are wide open. He is trapped on the floor. And then here comes Reggie in for. An extended period of grabbing on to Doug's junk and just... Well, a build-up to it, and it's... I mean, yeah. And then just shaking and shaking and shaking. (laughs) And then when Doug is paralyzed with pain, the Great Dane shits in his mouth. I mean... Which is... Lovely. It It was fantastic. I I laughed and laughed. Which they showed a tiny bit of restraint on, because you do get that close-up of the Great Dane's butthole. Yeah. Like, from the perspective of Doug, who's, you know... Laying on the ground looking Beneath the butthole. And I really thought we were going to see the shit coming out of... They instead cut very classily... That would have been NC-17. Right. Classily to the shot of Doug, where you see the shadow... Yes, um, yeah. the shit uh, the coming. Duke, yeah. <laughs> and then you do actually later after he bursts forth from the house, which is also on fire because in the melee that's ensued there, you know, uh, his I believe it's his uh, his bong has been tipped over and he had a little burning uh, you know, oh, yeah, bit res- in there. And that. that starts up the fire. Right. And so he's outside the house and you do see that he has the bloody crotch yeah. as well as the shit smeared face. Yes. So, yeah, that, that's uh, what a payoff. <laughs> and, kudos to Will Forte for being willing to take this part because yeah. this is like the most irredeemable character I've seen in a film in a while. Yeah, like, we, uh, Roland and I stayed for the, they did a Q&A after this, at this advanced screening, and they literally said those words. It was, um, we had to find a comedian who you just genuinely liked because he's, he is going to be playing the worst person that's ever lived. Yeah. And they, they pulled it off. We like Will Forte, he didn't get enough work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I also really liked about this movie, there's a lot of, uh, Pretty much like any joke you could think of from a dog's perspective, like what it what a dog thinks its problems are, are said and addressed in the movie. Yeah. Like anything. Well, the fireworks you mentioned. Yeah. yeah or their hatred of the mailman. Oh, God. Or, that was good. That was yeah. good. Anything you think a, th- a dog might think is yeah. is joked about in the movie. Well, and I think they actually do a nice job. You know, like like you were saying earlier, Joe, that, you know, there is this sort of anthropomorphizing the human-like qualities of these dogs and how they interact. But 
what you're saying, Roland, is right. Like, they actually ground a lot of it in dog behavior. Like, just them laying down. You remember the scene where it's like mm-hmm. they're they're all trying to take a rest on the journey. Yeah. And they have to, like, circle yeah. and find the exact spot. And they're, like, kind of talking out. Like, okay, no, that's that's not quite right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what I imagine dogs are thinking when they're doing these funny little rituals around mm-hmm. how they lay and where they can lay and how what's comfortable. So, I, th- I was impressed. Actually, Aaron and I talked about that piece on the way home when we were driving that you know like i thought they actually who whoever wrote it which is dan perot is the uh the screenwriter Mm -hmm. here who hasn't done i think feature films before but has worked on a couple series i think there's like a netflix series they're both mockumentaries so i I gotta check those out oh is one Um, of them american vandal yes did you watch that i have seen that the first season was it any i think they only did one i think they only did okay i thought they did two maybe they did maybe they did american vandal but it's a fake it's a true fake, crime. It's, it's a fake look into who drew the dicks on all of the <laughs> teachers' cars in the teachers' parking lot. Oh, that's lot. awesome! And they've got one student that they expel because he's the troublemaker. Yeah. And then this is like it's all fake. Yeah, but it's done in a way that you could oh, buy gotta, it if I you weren't paying that. it. It's very funny. Well, I, th- I think you know a lot of what we've been pointing to. Like he's a good writer. He he, there's not wasted elements here, right? I think a lot of the stuff that gets mentioned, like. You know, again, from biting the dick off being the theme of the thing to talking about, um, you know, Hunter's penis, the the Great Dane's mm-hmm. penis and all like all those things kind of build to a payoff with maybe one exception. Go ahead. And this is this was actually pointed out to me by Aaron. And, and I totally agreed with her as soon as she said it. I feel like there was a real missed opportunity. You do remember in the backstory uh, for Reggie. A big part of it is the fact that, you know, he ended up with Will Forte, Doug, as his owner, in part because Doug had a breakup with this woman. And Doug, in like sort of a power play move, holds on to the dog, even though he doesn't care about the dog, really despises the dog, just to get back at his ex. Right. And what if they had brought back the ex to be the one who... Uh, uh, finally, you know, Reggie, finally. Right, like yeah. Reggie came to live with, because there was somebody who loved Reggie and wanted Reggie all along... And the, so sequel, it's, you know, yeah. it may, maybe that's it. Maybe Perot was thinking, okay, if I leave this open, we could have a strays <laughs> too. <laughs> and we can't talk to its box office success because we're reviewing it prior to it coming out. Right. Yeah. I haven't right. seen any reviews of this at well, all. Well, it's, I mean, given that we were seeing one of the first preview screenings, I, I can't imagine that uh, there's too much out there. I haven't seen it. I just, I mean, either. we're kind of, I mean, it sounds like all three of us really enjoyed ourselves. I'm just trying to figure out now why I'm not placing it in some kind of pantheon of R-ratedness, the R-rated great comedies. I don't know if it's because the dog, but that wouldn't even be it, that the, the, the because we're looking at dogs, not humans, it's such a ripe opportunity for them to really pour on, you know, the raunch makes is even funnier almost yeah. because it's coming out of mouths that you wouldn't expect it to come out of. But mm-hmm. it's not that the jokes didn't hit. It's not, I, I think it just that it didn't sustain itself as solid entertainment for me. I was, I knew there'd be another part coming up soon. Yeah. But it, it, it didn't sustain itself. I don't know if it's, I can't figure it out, to be honest. I think with like these kind of, you know, ensemble, let's call it, or like, you know, buddy road movie kind of kind of things. You do have to lean on the chemistry of the cast to a certain extent sure. and how well they come together. And I know like with Joyride, that worked well for me. Mm-hmm. It didn't. I don't think it worked as well for you. If no, I, I, I liked everybody. You, you liked everybody. Who okay. was with us for Joyride? They didn't but, like the But Jedi you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, yes, that, that's an important thing. That's an important piece. And I think that these dogs, like what they've done with them, there's, 
like I said, I felt more for Reggie than I was expecting to, but I do think there's a bigger hurdle to overcome when it, when for me, it's like these dogs that are sort of clearly being manipulated. Like it, it, maybe those bonds don't feel as wrong. And they had to put in those scenes that were more earnest where they're kind of sharing some, you know, like Bugs backstory of having the little girl who, you know, shocked him by stepping on him by accident and he bit her like out of, you know, like a reflex reaction and then ended up being uh, excommunicated from the family, even though he had had this really idyllic kind of early life as a puppy with this, you know, this little girl. That had me feeling for Bug and and stuff, but it does kind of take you in this other direction, a more sort of, you know, dramatic direction that doesn't just deliver laugh after laugh after laugh. So like you're saying, Joe, like there were moments in the film where I can kind of remember feeling like, okay, when are we going to get to the next real set piece here? But I think most of it is being done in service of trying to build those bonds among the dogs. And so, you know, depending on how successful that is, I think like the Venn diagram for this film has to include animal lovers. I think if you, if, if you love animals, you're going to be more interested in this than not. But it also means you have to be into raunchy comedy, which that's not always the case with animal lovers, right? And seeing that inflicted on, you know, animals and somebody who's willing to see some cruelty towards animals because Doug's yeah. a real piece of shit, right? I yeah. mean, like, so, you know, I think there is kind of a sweet spot there. And I'm, I honestly, I'm kind of. Well, something for it. everyone. <laughs> Yeah, but if you like animal cruelty, but you also yeah. like... <laughs> I didn't say like animal cruelty. I said t- oh, you okay. could tolerate it in service of narrative. <laughs> it's a very narrow market, I imagine. Uh, Harold Ramos was our guest for Joyride. Oh, Remember, yeah, he really yeah, did not yes, like the R-ratedness right, of it. Right, but let's not yeah. give him too much grief because he did bring that Medianoche bourbon brandy. I, I will never... that we drank, Which I barely remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was delicious. It was good. Another, another thing I like about this movie is... Uh, I didn't really realize, but there's a lot of, like, tropes in dog movies. And this movie kind of, like, makes fun of a lot of those. So, like, the uh, the dog that, like, would narrate itself. Yes. Yes. That, was, there, that was a funny bit. You're right. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, subverted expectations for dog tropes. And I realized, like, whoa, I didn't even realize that there was such a, a rich... I, I didn't realize I'd seen so many dog movies. Yeah. And I'd seen the same thing in all these dog movies. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some of that. The narrator. There's a narrator dog. And he yeah. just shows up. And then and then our our friends are like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Stop narrating. We know already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, I thought that was really actually pretty brilliant. You're right. It's, it's, uh, hey, yeah. Perot did a, it. And, and shout out to, uh, who is it? Josh Greenbaum is the uh, director here. Yeah. Who, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar was his like most notable feature before this that I had seen. How was that? I haven't seen it. I thought it was great. Okay. It, it was it was one of those like pandemic movies that I feel yeah. like got a raw deal in the sense mm-hmm. that it never really got a actual theatrical yeah. release. It was kind of just I saw. I know it you're a streaming. fan though. Yeah, no, big time. I mean, I really do. At some point, it would be nice to maybe do that for Vision. the show if there was a maybe the next Kristen Wiig movie that comes along sure. or something. That would be fun. But, you know, Greenbaum, I think, does a nice job with this. And obviously, I think, you know, they did a great job picking the dogs for the little squad that we see and all that. So, yeah, you know, as we talk about it, like, I wouldn't say I came out lukewarm, but I came out feeling like, okay, that was pretty good. But as I talk about it, I'm like, this movie does everything that you would need it yeah, to do. Yeah, I'm not do. dissuading anyone from going to see it. And no, if, I would encourage. It, and if it's your thing that you know you're going to like, you like Will Ferrell. Yeah. You like dogs. Yeah, if you think you're going to like it, you probably, you probably will. probably will. Yes. Yes. If, if based on the trailer, you think this might appeal to you, I think, yes, it's going to appeal to you. For sure. For sure. Awesome. 
I don't know if I can say the same about that beer. Okay, that'll be interesting. <laughs> we, we drank sports. Yeah. It ends with a Z. Glacial frost flavor of an electrolyte infused Gosa by Turning Point Beer. It's 4.5. I don't think I mentioned that up top. 4.5 ABV. So I've got friends that do a running club and they end at a craft beer yeah. place. I don't even think that they'd all order this because of the electrolyte infusion of which I have no, you know, uh, chemistry in front of me to know if that's just a gimmick or yeah. or if this is a Gatorade in a glass in beer form. Well, in the, in the sense that a Gosa normally has some salt to it, <laughs> right, right? It right, kind of right. makes sense. Like uh, electrolytes are, you know, salt partly. And so like having that in there kind of makes sense. But I mean, this is electrolyte infused. Yeah. They're putting more in on purpose. Yeah. 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 Uh, this, this is the blue raspberry. It's the only one that was available. I would have picked the red if possible to really match oh, Roland's signature hat. Yeah. hat. yeah. But I could not. It's the perfect uh, beer to drink at your kid's soccer game. That's, That's right. No nobody's going to question it. You just pour that yeah. into your uh, whatever hydro flask and nobody's going to care. <laughs> it, it's got a wang. I will say I like this beer pretty well. And I think it's being helped along by the fact that we had that really terrible blue raspberry one a while back. Was it? I think when we did Point Break, maybe it was one of the beers. So uh, well, Point Break was that uh, Martin House um, blue coconut lactose yes, thing. Yes, yeah, which I did not like that much. Um, the Big Surge. There you go. Where that one I felt like was going way over the top with the gimmicky flavors and everything and just, you know, became something that I didn't even want to drink my little pour of. Following that uh, comedy yeah. show that I produced, yeah. we all went to Tapology where Big Surge was on tap. And no kidding. One of the comedic mace, the, oh, yeah. well, he doesn't live here, he lives in San Antonio, but he came down for the weekend to do some work. Uh, was just drink slamming those. Wow. And I was just thinking to myself from a distance, ah, oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, different beers for different folks. That's true. Uh, but, but this one I could actually, like, <laughs> I don't need the color. <laughs> it's, it's not something that I'm seeking. But if you just gave this to me blindfolded and said, like, oh, this is a new, like, uh, you know, I don't know, blue raspberry is such a funny flavor, but it's like a sweet gosa or something. I would drink it and be like, yeah, this is pretty good. This is you know, easy enough to throw back. And what, what was the ABV on 4. it? 4.5. Yeah. I mean, this is actually not a terrible uh, summer sipper kind of beer. Yeah. Yeah. You agree? <laughs> like you can sip this one? You're, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. So the sports I'm brand. a black, black tar heroin guy, but this beer is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's my summer after. There we go. <laughs> I like, yes. So we, you know, again, di different, different strokes for different folks. We have a Tuesday night open mic in town. Uh -huh. That's where Roller and I kind of got to know each other a little bit. Um, well, yeah, they're in various summer. open mics. But um, that's a BYOB place. And I, I, I used to. I don't do it as often. I take my big dad cooler mm -hmm. with water and, and beers yeah. and soda. And, like I was going to a soccer game with beer. Yeah. And I always, I, I, for, I got a little habit there of taking some weird thing from probably a beer yeah. and a movie leftover to Roland. Yeah. I don't know why I started doing that. But it became a little thing. See what would happen to me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Testing. Hey, put the heroin down tonight and just try this. Uh, Take it easy, Bob, okay? Strawberry, <laughs> strawberry mochi thing. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm not. I'm not big on this. I think it's the gimmick of the color. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at y'all's blues teeth and mouth, and I'm, you're looking at mine, and you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah that's not a, yeah. Day, a day out with my bros that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. The taste is fine. But there's a wang to it, and I don't know if that is whatever the electrolytes are. That they're, I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Is it some powder that they added to it to, so it's got a Gatorade-y thing? I don't know. I yeah. looked it up before you guys got here. I could not find it. I don't like that lack of information sometimes. Yeah. It's a one and done. I mean, try it if you see it in your <laughs> convenience store thing. Yeah, this won't become a staple in my Definitely house. Definitely try, but it's it's one that I'm not sad that I tried. Oh. And if and if somebody had these, I would happily drink one. With you know, I would yeah. say it's actually perfect with the uh, a perfect pairing with the movie strays because it's just good enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna hate the experience, but there you go. If if you're okay with the concept, you're probably gonna like it. Yeah, yeah that's. I was like, Strays is not a great party movie either, because with the volume down, you definitely have to have the captions on. It's true. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and it's yeah, and, and there's not as much uh, visual. Well, with the exception of the uh, the the penis, uh, you know, there's a lot of humping things. The, yeah, there's there's a little bit of visual humor in there, but a lot of it's actually based in the dialogue. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, I think it, I think it would be tough. You're right. This this would not enter the pantheon of party movies. I don't think. Well, with that said, will our next film enter the pantheon of party movies? <laughs> I don't know, but it's another dog adventure <laughs> and another beer. <laughs> when we get back. We are ready to get some more beer in our glasses so we can talk about another film, a companion to uh, Strays, which our guest Roland had uh, had suggested. And, and I hadn't even heard of this film somehow. And uh, and I think it's going to be an absolutely stellar uh, companion movie to Strays for, for a lot of different reasons, not necessarily because of the tone matches, but there's a lot of shared narrative elements. Before we get there, though, let's get some beer in our glasses and Joe was kind enough to procure for us uh, a beer that kind of continues the theme of those like lighter sours with kind of interesting flavor elements uh, added. This is from Parish Brewing, which uh, I know we've had maybe once or twice on the program before. I don't think we're at a five timers uh, point with this, but this is their Strawberry Mochi, which is a Berliner style ale. Five timers club. Oh my God. Two five-timers? Shit. Wow. This is a banner episode. Yeah. Uh, Berliner style ale with strawberry, vanilla, milk sugar, and toasted rice. Hmm. At four and a half percent, they say that this is inspired by their friends at Great Notion, which is another brewery that we uh, have had uh, before. And they're out of Oregon, I believe, but Parrish is out of Louisiana. And I'm seeing already Joe has poured his. It is not... A crazy sort of unnatural color like no. our first one. We're not going like for the deep red strawberry mochi. This is maybe there's a slight red hue, but it's mostly kind of a, you know, golden yellow kind of color. So t- more typical of beer. H- how's the nose on it, Joe? Well, before I looked it up. Okay. Mochi. The definition of mochi is a short grain, sweet, glutinous rice with a high starch content used in Japanese co- uh, cooking. Cooking. Mm-hmm. Mochi ice cream I've had, mochi donuts I've had, 
but I never knew what the mochi and the mochi of it all was. Yeah. So when they say toasted rice, it must be talking about that. The rice element. The, yeah. the mochi rice. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times like used to form like almost like little cakes. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So the. Um, the nose, I can t- certainly smell the strawberry. Yeah. It's, this will be interesting. Okay. This will be interesting. Well. Will the film be interesting, Joe? What What did okay. we? So yeah, it was um, Old Yeller, maybe, or uh-huh. <laughs> Homeward Bound. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Milo and Otis. Yeah, yeah. we, we kind of threw some of the famous dog movies that we haven't talked about on the show. I was super bummed out. Neither of you guys went for uh, the Plague Dogs, which oh, was I think my, that's where we were probably going to head. My, my first suggestion, but also the more I thought about it, you know, it's from from the guys who made Watership Down, and it's about watching dogs slowly die. And I was like, okay, I understand. <laughs> well, the, not that this one is all that much more uplifting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is called White God. I had not heard of it. It won the two. Th- it was a 2014 Hungarian film directed by Cornel Mundruso, mm-hmm. um, and it, it premiered in the 2014 Cannes Film Festival, where it won uh, uncertain regard. Right, it won yeah. a very high reception mm-hmm. there. Lily is 13 years old. At the beginning of the film, she's being transferred from her mother to her father, who have recently, I suppose, been divorced for her to spend the summer, maybe, or... The mom was going off to work in, like, Australia. She was okay. doing a three-month academic... Okay. It, I think they refer to it as a conference. It seems like she's doing some sort of, like, appointment at this Australian So she's going to live with her dad, who she doesn't have a strong relationship right. with. Yes. And brings her dog, Hagen. Mm-hmm. A mixed breed dog, a beautiful dog. Um, and from the get go, the dad's a jackass and a jerk. And he's like, I don't want that dog. I don't, she can't bring the dog. What are you going to do? Make her take the fine. And then as soon as Hagen gets indoctrinated into the home, we, I, we learn, I learned, I didn't know that, um, in Hungary or in the city in Hungary, there's a mongrel fee imposed by the government which the dad is unwilling to pay i think that's an invention of the film by the way is I, don't, it? I, I don't i don't know that it, you might i didn't look into it but i i feel like i read enough that said that this was sort of a because yeah, it we'll is get more into that later yeah, i feel yeah, like yeah. that actually kind of like plays out thematically sure okay good yeah, yeah, then for. um in a tantrum while they're in the car the dad fucking pulls hagen out and throws him out and says we're done with this dog yeah and she says, I'll come back. I'll come back. Stay here. And then the film kind of switches a little bit to the dog point of view. Now, there is no moving mouths and the dogs aren't talking, but they trained 240 dogs to be in a large pack that eventually gets uh, created. But what we see is Hagen now astray for the first time. Very very attached to the first film now but you know he's trying to get meat from the back of the butcher store and he's trying to da 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 and he eventually um gets picked up by a homeless gentleman who sells him to a guy who is going to now transform Hagen into a killing machine for dog like back alley dog fighting yeah and that was fascinating it shows I mean, it's I don't the whole I, process of like, I don't the like training that they go through. Right. But like starving him to a degree, filing yeah. his teeth I don't, while he's sedated, yeah. sharpening the teeth with like a Dremel knife um, and then the dog fight. And he wins the first dog fight, but then escapes. Yeah. And now he's on the loose with this like now 
kill or be killed attitude and um okay. and having experienced this really brutal treatment sure. by humans sure yeah, yeah. I, I should mention that lily uh, in her time is uh, in an orchestra she plays the trumpet and that right. that kind of comes and goes throughout the film and then eventually he's picked up by the pound and the, all of the dogs escape from the pound all of them now there's a 240 dogs just and they they begin this like revolutionary like revolution violent takeover of the city mm-hmm. yeah until a lovely a, a sort of climax a which will yeah will yeah which leads to a, a final beautiful shot i love the the final shot of the movie mm. where they're all in the streets yeah you can you can notice if you pay attention to such things that the that this it's it's dusk yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Dawn and the the street has been wet down as you normally do in movies to give a depth. Of, yeah. uh, but it's just all of the dogs laying down. And I, let's talk about that scene maybe in a side, like what happens, how it all comes back together. Mm-hmm. I did not know what to expect. Sometimes with like a guest or David will suggest a film and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. I mean, I just, you know, peace, yeah. you know, uh, and then sometimes they just hit you over the head. This I, I cannot recommend this movie enough. If you hit in that Venn diagram, <laughs> <laughs> same one. If you like animal cruelty, well, okay, and you don't you need like... the comedy. You don't need the comedy. But yes, the, if you can tolerate animal cruelty and you love animals, <laughs> the animal cruelty in Strays is yeah. comedically delivered, and you know that it's a plot device. Yeah. The animal cruelty here is like things that you know really happen in real life, yeah. and you don't want to know about. Yeah. Them. Or maybe you do. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> if you can tolerate cruelty to animals and according to uh, I just I do want to read this before I hand it off to somebody else uh, on Wikipedia, approximately 250 dogs are used in the film with the exception of Bodie and Luke, the brother dogs that portray the lead Hagen. All the animal extras were recruited from shelters or from the streets of the shooting location and trained with an eye toward their humane treatment and ultimate re- rehabilitation. By Teresa Ann Miller, daughter of Hollywood animal trainer Carl Lee Miller, whose work with animals includes Babe and Cujo. 98% of the dogs were adopted after filming. What a very happy ending I like for that all the story. dogs. Yeah, I like that story that the dogs were all from shelters and from the streets Absolutely. and got all... Adopted. It's not every movie where uh, the, all the homeless extras get a, get a home after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we treat the dogs better than the humans sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You brought it to us what was your relationship with it prior yeah so i saw it when it came out i remember it hitting like the award like it winning uh, a whole bunch of award or the award at Cannes. yeah i've always wanted to see what the the movies coming out of Cannes are and yeah yeah i remember seeing it and, and liking it i i hadn't seen it since it came out and i didn't remember too much about it but i didn't remember i remember it wasn't as sad as plague dogs that's all i remember <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, yeah, right. Like we we only really have to experience one direct dog death in this film. There is one, yeah, but, but we only have to see that one. Well, I mean, there's a few. Uh, there's oh, one of the others. There's one where the dog is euthanized at the very end. Oh, uh, and then there's dogs that are being well, shot when the dog army is involved. Oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, you're right. I, somehow the, the one that hit me was the, the dog fight. That you know, yeah, that, right. yeah. That, that one definitely I felt, which was so beautifully filmed. The training in this movie was incredible, and mm. Strays too. But this one's remarkably incredible because you're not relying on the gimmick of the moving mouths. Yeah. It's just the dogs moving correctly, yeah. pairing up, packing up. Right. Sorry, I so I, I had a I had. A, I had a thought when I was watching this. So there's also a lot of like visual storytelling in this. Yeah. And, you know, it's from it's also from the dog's perspective. Yeah. You know, it's not like, babe, nobody's nobody's mouth is moving. 
So I was thinking like, oh, so in terms of dog dog cinema, this is like a silent and Strays is like a talkie. (laughs) (laughs) You're kind of onto something there, I think, because, well, seriously, it's something that occurred to me, especially, you know, I I see this film as fitting pretty neatly into three acts that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you have the first act, which is Hagen with Lily setting up the whole scene, their relationship, that the father is not tolerant of it, you know, that that, that the dog yeah. is cast out. And so, so that kind of – but that second act – and the third act being like where the pack sort of goes out and seeks revenge and does that. But that second act that's really kind of following Hagen on this journey with – interspersed with Lily periodically kind of looking for on him. On her and, journey. Yeah. They're both they're, – they both go through something. Yeah, they're right. Both, they're, Stories I feel By like are being parallel. abandoned right. from one another, if you will. Yeah, but but the parts where we're with Hagen and we're in his, you know, as you've both said, like his point of view, which I think is really, really smartly done here through some really deliberate cinematography, right? I yes. mean, you have like a lot of low height, um, handheld cinematography that kind of gives you this point of view that makes you kind of feel like this is how dogs see the world. This is and in particular how this dog sees the world. And you're seeing him come into contact with these other humans and how these humans like may initially kind of seem like friends and then, you know, manipulate him and, and sort of use him for these other things, whether it be to sell him to make money or to train him to fight so that then they can make money off that. Like seeing that all unfold, that second act of it, I found really captivating and it really I was amazed at how much of a character Hagen became for me. Absolutely. It's because it's a very slow moving film. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. But I never was bored one time. I really like that their stories uh, really parallel each other. They're both trying to be domestic. They're both in the girl and the dog are in a world where they're trying to be domesticated. And it's them rejecting that and saying, no, that's not that's not for me. Right. Well, right. but Hagen was happy in his original domestication with her. Yeah, but then once he's cast out of that... I like, would say that the domestication... Uh, if the parallel is, the right let me then. turn you into something that you are not. Okay, yeah, yeah. there we go. Because that's what... Mastered. The, They're trying to be mastered like in, in certain yeah. ways, right? Like, you know, Lily by her father is mm-hmm. being forced to behave a certain way. And be, but but Lily rebels. Yes. Uh, she goes to a pub. I guess they go to a music conference but they don't attend the musical events and rather go out to some parties yeah yeah and she uh, uh the guy that she's crushing on who's a little bit older uh, hands her a bag of some drugs i can't remember yeah and she says hold this for me and then she gets caught with them later she's drinking and passes out i could tell that the film was trying to do a thing where we're watching both of them make mistakes yeah or yeah. whatever and and that that part of it for lily i don't think i bought as a solid kind of uh, parallel hmm. but it was still engaging yeah yeah I, I just like watching foreign films to see what foreign places look like sometimes and what the you know in this case what kids are doing at a party i thought i thought it was all real compelling yeah it didn't it didn't nail down everything it's not a perfect movie but i do really really like it and to bring up that thing that we were talking about earlier with the uh hey no mix no mix breeds yeah 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 or i don't know this is just what reviews of it that i I read were uh they're trying to make it like a a metaphor for like immigrants yeah i don't know when i was watching the movie i didn't really get that feeling i just thought it was a dog story i didn't yeah i i think it can work on 
both those levels, right? Like I, I too, I think when I was watching it was focused much more on the sort of obvious story of like, yeah. this is how we treat animals and, and, and the, this is how animal cruelty unfolds. And, the, and these are the repercussions for that. And then like, then kind of getting us to that third act where there's almost like this fantasy of a kind of revenge that dogs and animals never get to exact on humans yeah. in, in reality. Like, you know, I, I think it works perfectly fine that way, but I also, you know, I think there are gestures in there to, you know, okay, but this is also how humans treat other humans at times. Yeah. But I, I hear what you're saying. And I, and I do think that this can work as allegory, though I do think it, I think when you, when you put too much pressure on it that way, like I started to think about it a little yeah. bit that way, it doesn't quite work out in the same, like, I mean, the fact that probably the most downtrodden character we get in terms of humans here is that homeless man mm. who who kind of, you know, fools uh, Hagen and takes Hagen and then ends up selling Hagen and, you know, to, to sort of just, you know, get himself forward. I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, like the one character who I would most align Hagen and his other animals with is kind of one of the most despicable characters in the film, or, you know, one of the despicable characters in the film. So I don't know. It's, it's a tougher allegory to for me to connect that way but i think it's there it's you know it's partly about how just humans can kind of dehumanize other things whether they be you know animals which aren't human but like should be treated with respect and have right but you know th that they can sometimes not be yeah dog fighting cock fighting i find all of that stuff i mean just so <clears throat> abhorrent mm. but i bought that whole story. Yeah. He had him on a treadmill. You know, well, and starving I, him. I didn't look into it, but I have to imagine those are actual <laughs> techniques that get of used. Of course. I imagine, right? I imagine you're right. Sharpening the teeth. And then when. Like he, hanging the meat from a high. That they're like constantly trying to get. And then, right. You know. Yeah. Just getting them angrier. Yeah. But Hagen. So, so there's a cage filled with all of the dogs at the pound. Yeah. And there's a single human trying to get Hagen in there. And when Hagen. Hagen jumps up and tears that dude's throat out yeah that's about when hunter started paying attention to the movie because he came <laughs> yeah. in halfway through and was yeah. like oh, yeah a foreign film with no like words anyway you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, welcome to my apartment anyway so um then you the the body crumples in front of the door but mm -hmm. it's unlocked and that shot of all the dogs kind of squirming through pushing on the yeah. door to get the human pushed out of the way yeah. and they all start coming through that notion that i had of like if 250 dogs were terrorizing a city what this government does with like the body armor and all and they yeah. got the they've got they, they put the city on lockdown yeah no one's allowed outside that's exactly i think how it would have gone down. Those stupid, those stupid Hungarian police. If only, <laughs> if only, if only they got a squeaky toy, dude, they could have shut this shit down in twenty minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mentioned the word fantasy. Like th that third act, I think does like up until that, the first act, second act, both feel very quote unquote realistic to me. There's nothing that's like okay, yeah, no, all of this stuff happens, right? Girls do love their dogs or, you know, the yeah, families yeah. love their dog. And then there are people within the family who don't care about the dog as much, you know, like that have happened. The dogs out on the street are mistreated all the time. Even dogs in homes are, mis you know, like all that stuff. is The fact that like on that sort of like on a dime, those dogs in that whatever it is, a pound shelter, mm -hmm, right. you know, like that they are able to like sort of organize and wordlessly, right. And, yeah. and, and seemingly, you know, just into this, 
you know, mercenary force that right. just goes out and sort of terrorizes the city, it really does kick into this kind of level of fantasy. To, there, it sort of becomes something imagined yeah. to me. You know what I mean? Like, it, because there is this kind of... Dogs wouldn't organize like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing, like, you have small packs of dogs that, like, roam and might work together. To, in fact, we... It was what, like back in July, there was a guy just in a town not too far from us. I think it was Portland that got attacked by a small pack of dogs. I think it was four or five. He was out running and they tore him apart. Goodness. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, sad stuff. But I mean, so that stuff can happen. But 250 of them <laughs> doing that yeah. in a very synchronized way and stuff like that really gets it into this realm of the unreal that to me starts to become more of like, like what Roland was saying is like, you, there you start thinking, okay, what is the filmmaker actually trying to say with this? Because this is taking me into another place where this becomes like sort of this fantastical allegory for something. To me, it can still just be about human treatment of animals and everything. But I do think it sort of points you to, oh, there's some bigger commentary. Well, here. let's talk about the ending then. So at the beginning, we when they're all together, they being Lily and her dog. She's in an orchestra and plays the trumpet and at home played to, to him, around him, played to him when he had been locked in the bathroom by the father to right. calm him down. We know this is a calming device for the dog or a bond that the two of them have. When Lily finally gets to confront Hagen at the end, he's already killed a few people. He did the dog fighting and he approaches her with all of his posse behind him, all of them. And he's ready to go after her. He's yeah. he's going to. We, we yeah. get the impression she talks to him. Hagen, it's yeah. me. For a while, the dad comes out with a blowtorch. Yeah, like he's gonna. That's gonna be his weapon if the dogs attack anybody. Yeah. But she gets pulls her trumpet out, begins playing the trumpet. The dog calms down, lays down, and then all the two hundred fifty dogs lay down. Yeah, in this perfectly designed pattern when shot from the crane. Yeah. What is that allegory? Music. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little weird when you actually music, think about it. Music saves everything. That's, I don't think that's what they're going. No, for. I don't think it's that. All the migrants just need to take a take a <laughs> chill pill, just lay down the street. We'll all be good. I, you know, I okay. This is. I think that you know, Hagen. That change in that third act where he really goes from being like the dog that we related to in the earlier parts of the film into this almost just like revenge machine who's mm -hmm. like leading this pack to, you know, seek revenge. You know, he goes after the people who wronged him. I think there's something there about how, whether it be animal or human, like there are times where you are so mistreated by the world that you, you know, it's understandable that you switch into another mode where you lash out at everybody around you, right? And that, you know, the fact that he had this deep and meaningful connection with this other person, you know, Lily, um, from before, that she was still able, I mean, music just happened to be the thing that connected that, or one of the things that helped, right. you know, sort of define that bond for them. That if you can be reminded of how you can connect with others and how those people can recognize the, whether it be humanity or animal nature in mm -hmm. you, then you can still find that. Like that, you know, I'm just thinking about how people do monstrous things sometimes because they've been mistreated, because of the traumas they've experienced, and yet they aren't irredeemable necessarily, right? I mean, now that said, Hagen has taken out some people here, right? Hagen yeah. is a murderer at this point in the film. Sometimes yet, a bit of a bad boy. <laughs> Sometimes but, not a good boy. But I don't. But knowing what he's been through, I don't know. I think there's definitely, I think, a depth there with, with, with what's going on, and that like. I think we are sometimes too quick to judge those. From the outside, roving pack of dogs, killing people, 
sounds like, no, we need to euthanize all of them, right? Mm -hmm. But here, like, because of what we know uh, about Hagen before, because we see what brought him to that point, and because we see that he can be pulled back from it at the end, I think it kind of leaves you with that sense that, yes, people and animals sometimes do monstrous things, but it's not always necessarily their fault. So it's not the whole story. And it's not the whole story, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I get out of it. I was going to say, not not everybody in the movie was a complete monster, but there were those people who were into the dog fights. Yeah. Uh, but like the character, like the dad, you know. Well, he there's growth there. There's yeah. positive growth with the dad. But because by the end of the film, he's telling Lily, I messed up. I did the wrong thing. I shouldn't have been that way with you. And like, let's find a dog or, you know. Yeah. You know how I also kind of saw this film as a gosh, I can never say the title. You have to help me again. You owe me out last time. The, the name of the Brisson movie about the donkey. Oh, uh, uh, oh, Hazard Balthazar. Yeah, it's kind of like if that, but if the donkey was Shay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if after a while the donkey was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Yeah, well, you know, actually, and as we were watching this, or as I was watching this, it made me think a little bit of EO, which was definitely yeah. inspired by that, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you got a chance to see that role in. But I that haven't was, seen that one yet. It was out last year. We got around to seeing it, you know, earlier this year when it was finally available streaming and everything but that follows kind of the life of a donkey and you know Mm -hmm. very similar to that seeing the full spectrum of how humans sometimes treat and mistreat animals so yeah there's which is uh, also another way to connect it to strays yeah it was about a dog who was at home he was happy at home and then got made a stray and when you suggested this and i read the brief synopsis that i could find i'm like it's almost eerie how much of a parallel in terms of like you know the the basic plot outline from yeah. this film to that film although obviously strays taking that in like now let's cram raunchy humor into that yeah, yeah. and this film being like no let's find a way to kind of connect people to the soulfulness of the animals or, or whatever an interesting creative exercise give 10 filmmakers a plot synopsis but yeah. see what but they then make let them yeah. go and you might get these two movies back yeah you know? Because well, they're very similar. I, I agree. But very, very different. And now, just before I forget, did you note that, uh, Joe, when you were looking at, uh, I'm, I'm going to forget the director's name. What was it again? That one guy. He, well, no, but he did um, Pieces of a Woman, which, uh, which we have done which, on the show. Which we really enjoyed. Of course, and you're talking about Cornell Madrisco. Thank you. Yeah. I had not realized yet. So now, this is making him a filmmaker that I really need to go back and watch some of those other films. He's got his. a couple of good ones. Uh, he made this other movie called Jupiter. It's not Jupiter Ascending. <clears throat> Jupiter's Moon? <laughs> Jupiter's Moon, yes. That's okay. very good. It's like a sci-fi. That was the movie following this one. To the, the, uh, okay. He did directly after. Nice. Yeah, I saw that, that one. That was pretty good. I, I didn't know they were the same director until I looked up after watching what got again last night then pieces of a woman in 2021 he did a movie called evolution which i'm not familiar with at all thank you roland for suggesting this good call um i I thought that was uh this is one of those great companion films that takes us in a in a different direction in many ways but also keeps us right on the same path so kind of cool um when that works out kind of similar with this beer that we've been drinking it keeps us in a similar path raspberry strawberry right raspberry strawberry sour yeah, lower ABV and that four point five percent rate, right? Yeah, but here, you know, not going for the gimmicky color. It's like you could give ten brewers a log line, <laughs> and they come back with 
10 different things, including yeah. maybe this, because I've never had mochi in a beer before. I've, that's my, right. This is my first time. Parish, we like. Yep. I mean, we've enjoyed most yep. of the beers, if not all, that we've had here on the show. Right. I'm enjoying it. I mean, th- this is, uh, I think, flavor-wise, th- I'm getting that strawberry and vanilla for sure. I think the milk sugar is kind of bringing in some a little more body definitely, there. Definitely. It's, it's It's got sort of that, you know, thicker feel than what we had with the uh, sports. But um, I, I find it really, really kind of nice. It's not too sweet. It's kind of right where I'd want it. It's not too sweet. balances it. Because uh, when a strawberry is so strong on the nose, it's really going to affect the flavor. Mm-hmm. They say that most, a lot of the flavor that you eat in food or drink is yeah. through the olfactory. Yeah. Uh, your, your, your sense of smell as much as your taste buds. Um, so I was thinking when I took that first sip, it was going to be very, very sweet. Right? Yeah. But it's not. And it, that, the mochi is there. The yeah. rice is there, yeah. but so different than a rice lager. Yeah, you know? right. Not not because again with the milk sugar, it's kind of counterbalancing with a rice lager. You it tend is. to get that thinner body. Yeah. Here, it's it's kind of countering that, which is appropriate because if you're thinking about what those you know what you were describing before with the mochi, it tends to be it's actually kind of a glutinous rice. So it kind of has like a th- you know those little cakes that they make from it are kind of like they have they're chewy. They, yeah. they kind of have this unctuousness to them. Th- that's there. I mean, like I'm Parrish kind of knows how to do this stuff. <laughs> I'm, drink, I'm drinking mine out of a four ounce tulip glass to really heighten the pretentiousness of the day. Mm-hmm. And it took me a full four ounces to take the left turn required after that blue thing. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's very different flavors here. Yeah. And now this, the second and third I'm enjoying very much. Yeah. Roland, what are you thinking? I think this is perfect. This is a perfect pairing. If you want to sit down and watch a dog fight, this is the beer for you. <laughs> Maybe. High, high praise. <laughs> Maybe Talk about a Venn diagram. Yeah. And you know if that you they like do. mochi and you like dog cruelty. Yeah, you know you, dog fighters drink beer while they're at their thing. Oh, I wonder on, what right? the preferred. What works up a thirst more than <laughs> watching oh dogs go at it. The official beer of Michael Vick. You know, although that did. Yeah. <laughs> What, you know, that did it occur – like whenever I'm watching a movie that or any media because I've never actually – and I would avoid it – attended a dogfight or – like I always find myself like who are the people who have the time in their lives – that they actually want to seek these things out because there's these like – you have to be in like this underground community of people doing this stuff. They exist. I mean it's, yeah. it's happening. It's happening in our town. But I just – it blows my mind that people – it's like – Come on, go to the movies. Go, you know what I mean? Like, go to the sports bar. Watch, listen ever, to sports on. Like, have you ever heard of a PlayStation, dude? Just get one of those. There, there you go. I'm like, you have this much free time in your life that you're looking for this kind of. Oh my gosh. Oh, we're all damaged in different ways. Oh yes. No, no failure today. Happy to, happy I didn't to detect any. You can catch Roland on his podcast, Sports with Roland. It is streaming right now on Spotify. I recommend you do. If you want to look back, you can find my name on one of them. Only oh, yes. This is the episode Beer Fest. Only one of them. I took, <laughs> I took beers there. Like yeah. we, I did like, let's do beer in a movie right now. Yeah, you yeah. know, in y'all's thing. So it was fun. Um, but you can also catch him on Instagram at Regina George's. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to ask you what that name means in after hours. Okay. I've, I've got on our list 
the story I didn't tell from New Orleans last week, uh-huh. Persis Indian food, yeah. Andre the Giant and his drinking, a question for Roland, uh, two questions for Roland. So, Oh, really quick, before we wrap this up, please. I just want to say uh, this movie, White God, not to be confused with the movie White Dog. No, but I think there's glad probably some reference going on there, right? Do you think that maybe the filmmaker was aware of White Dog I'm and pretty thought sure this is a way was. to, yeah, yeah. I like that movie. That's a that's a really good movie. You guys, that's an s- upsetting one. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. There's a uh, racism involved. If all of this wasn't upsetting, there's more racism in that movie. Right. It's not dogs just trained to kill, but trained to kill black, black people. people. Yes. Yeah. No, that's an upsetting. But was it? Who was it? Was that Fuller? Sam Fuller. Fuller. There we yeah. go. Yes, I knew it was a notable director. Yeah. Who yeah. I've never seen the Mortis Pedals. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. I was thinking about suggesting this, uh, that one for <laughs> this one, but that's really only like. Like 30 minutes in the movie, so I thought that's not enough. I hear it's pretty hard to watch. It's pretty brutal. (laughs) It is, and the dog fighting is not even like the most bleakest part of the movie. That's how sad it is. It's good, though. You know what the best thing about beer in a movie is, guys? It's that the conversation doesn't end here. I can tell it's not. You can find us on all the social media. Your Facebook, your Instagram, your ex. (laughs) (laughs) She's talking about us. And you can join our chat on Discord, which is fun. It's under the name Beer in a Movie. The conversation continues. Or hit us up on any of those other things in a DM, and we'll make sure you get the invite to that. But we talk about the after hours a lot, because it's really one of my favorite things we do. It's another 30 to 45, maybe an hour. Who knows at uh, patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast where we talk about a little bit of everything frivolity. We get deep sometimes. Roland's here. I don't think we're going to. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? When you're at your favorite podcast platform right now, just do us that thing. Rate us, review us, give us the five stars so the algorithm can do what it do and put us out there as an option for more listeners. You have just experienced another dog soaked episode of beer in a movie until next time. This beer doesn't taste good, but I like how it's making me feel. Yeah.